Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. We are here with Luke Braun tonight from the Locked on Vikings podcast and a writer analyst at Zone Coverage. We have him in the house with Bryant McKinney, Ron Saw, and then Cora from Woodbury is joining us. South Spice is off tonight, but what we're going to do is just go down the line and rapid fire ask Luke for his Vikings takes because the regular season is upon us about two weeks away. Foremost, however, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the number one online resource for all of your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50, believe 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Luke Braun, welcome to Believe in Vikings. How are you, sir? Hey, Dustin. Nice to be on here. Absolutely. Tell us how life's been at Locked On Vikings and Zone Coverage. It's been a while since we've checked in. Yeah, uh, doing well at Locked On, doing a lot of learning a lot of scheme stuff, trying to learn what the new coaches are up to, um, doing some history of the Minnesota Vikings stuff too over at my Patreon, patreon.com slash NFL, big old docu-series, uh, part five, covers the 90s, comes out this weekend. Ooh. Oh, all right. So Cora, you're with us tonight. Thanks for joining from Woodbury. I want you to intersect because I know, interject, excuse me, I know you have a question for Luke about that. So let's get yes. cracked in there. Huge fan, huge fan. I do listen um, almost every day. So love Locked on Vikings. My question, I have two right off the bat about that history series. Um, first, what got you started on it? And like, why? <laughs> it's really cool. I'm, I love listening about it. But <laughs> well, I would one do that to himself. Yeah, it's painful. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So the answer to that is the secret base Falcons one. I was watching that last summer and I was just like crazy inspired. I loved the tone of it. I loved how human it was. I loved how departed it was from most sports stuff, how it really was a story. There was humanity. There was some soul in it. And it was so much more than what you get in sports coverage, which is a lot of standings and rumors and stats and odds. And who should I start in fantasy? And this was so much more about people. And I thought, man, the Vikings version of this would be so good. (laughs) So many wild stories. So I basically started working on it then. I've been working on it kind of all the way through, like a little bit through last season. And then once last season ended, I went all the way for it. Nice. And then off of that, what has been your favorite story, tidbit of information you learned about, something like that so far? Probably, honestly, this one coming out this weekend about the 90s, because I was a kid 
You know, I was, I was, I loved Chris Carter and I loved that John Randall wore cool makeup. There's so much I did not know about these guys. Like I was, I knew them as cool kid, cool guys that I would watch with my dad as a six year old, you know? Um, but there's so much more depth to all of those people. This particular one kind of got away from me. It's, I think it's going to end up being the longest one just because I was waxing poetic about like trying to understand who Randy Moss was, you know, like that is a, a, a nuanced person. And trying to portray this is who Randy was, you know, this is and do that justice. I think the Randy Moss part's like 15 minutes long on its own. The whole first episode Rightfully is 37 so. minutes. <laughs> kind of like so a yeah, highlighted just, just as long touchdowns. Just to- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So Luke, what I'm gonna do, I'm I am gonna ask you some of the annoying stats, projections, stuff like that. Um yeah, so- let's let's do it. Bear with me. Uh, these are going to be pretty point blank for me. I'm not sure what Ron will have, but who's going to start week one at right guard, sir? Jesse Davis or Ed Ingram? What say you? I think Ed Ingram has run away with it. Um, I think he did that a while ago, and the only reason he's playing in preseason games is because they're just trying to get some tread on his tires. Mm-hmm. Um, but he started taking... He r- did really well in that Raiders game, that first preseason game, mm-hmm. and Jesse Davis did not. <laughs> And then Ed Ingram immediately came out, took all the first team reps for all the joint practices mm-hmm. and all rookies that could were healthy enough to play have played, whether they're in competitions or not or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think they just went, yeah, Ed Ingram, you're going to start, but we're getting you in against the 49ers and we're going to get you some practice here. I mean, he's a rookie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Ed Ingram has outplayed Jesse Davis by a lot. I don't think it's close anymore. I think that's pretty much decided. Does Jesse Davis or and or Wyatt Davis, do they make the 53 man? I don't think Wyatt Davis does. Okay. Um, I don't think he's transitioning to the NFL very well. Uh, I don't know. Whispers going around. Um, and that happens, you know, it's a it's a different world. I'm sure Bryant can tell you it's different intensity, a different culture. And some guys just don't go from college to the NFL and succeed, even if they looked great in college. Um Jesse Davis is currently his contract makes him. It's not really an option to cut him. It's actually more expensive to cut him than it would be to keep him on the 53 and never play him. Um, But you could see like a cut down day trade to a team like the Raiders who actually needs some interior help. They've had some injuries on their O line or another team that's had problems like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could see something like that, but Jesse Davis probably makes the team being able to play guard and tackles usually going to be enough if you're even a little bit competent at either. Um, so I, I think you can, and there's not a lot of roster pressure because other positions are thin. Mm-hmm. So there's room to keep a guy like Jesse Davis on, um, but it's either keep him or trade him. Okay. Be Mac for, for the big picture, whether it's on the field, the off field noise, what is the biggest transition in your case from Miami to Minnesota? Oh, it looks like BMAC must be on his America's Got Talent call. Still. Is he voting? Uh, no, he. I think they're giving him. <laughs> I think he froze. Oh, no, there. No, I just think he's occupied for a minute. We'll come. We'll circle okay. back, Bryant. Uh, Ron, or don't let me forget that question. Uh, but yep, yep. Take it away for Luke Braun. Yeah, Luke, nice to meet you. Um, again, hey, my man. name's Ron. So, um, 
like I've said for years back in the Brian Braun days, like the B-R-A-U-N spelling has done a lot for the pronunciation of my name. <laughs> so, there you um, go. Yeah. But, uh, I always say so, like the razor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, simple enough. Um, but anyway, so um, <clears throat> me, I know when I first kind of came on as a, as a guest and whatever, they picked my brain, whatnot. Um, you know, one of the fun stories that I always tell is how I became a Vikings fan. Now me being born and raised here in Minnesota, obviously like, the gift and the curse of holding that to my name is uh, being a Minnesota Homer, which is always a letdown one way or another. So, um, and I know you're based in LA right now, uh, Mm -hmm. but how did you become a Vikings fan and how you mentioned earlier that you grew up watching Chris Carter and John Randall, um, like do do, do your roots with Vikings go back that far and kind of, how did you get started with, with all that? I I was probably a Vikings fan before I had object permanence, um, (laughs) born in Minnesota, I oh, had yeah. the 3D poster on my bedroom yep. as a little like, I mean, <laughs> toddling around. Yeah, I had a little, I, I think my dad might still have my Jeff George jersey mm-hmm. um, from, and it probably, I was six years old. So it's a Jeff George jersey that would fit, or a six or no, a seven. Um, yeah, that was, I think the first jersey I had. Um, I might've had one for like a baby or something, but yeah, it's it's been that. So I grew up in Minnesota. Um, my dad was born the same year the Vikings started. So he's kind of attached for that whole family's in Minnesota. I came out to LA for college and now I live and work out here. Uh, but yeah, I kind of kept myself connected to the team. Cora, what's your, your next up? What do you got? Um, now, uh, I'll jump <laughs> back into a little bit of the, Roster questions. How are they faring tight end wise? It's a concern. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, I don't believe, I mean, they've been really insistent that Irv Smith is going to be ready for week one. I kind of feel like giving them the benefit of the doubt off the bat here. We have no reason to believe that they'd be like lying about that. I mean, of course they would lie about anything with injuries because it would mess the Packers up for week one. But like, I don't know. I don't think like knowing the nature of that kind of injury, that thumb ligament injury, that's the same injury Drew Brees had a couple years ago and it knocked him out for five weeks. Um, Irv Smith suffered it, I think five or maybe six weeks before week one. So like, yeah, that timeline tracks. Mm -hmm. Um, But if he can't go or if he gets hurt again, yeah, the depth's pretty concerning right now. My 53, we just had a 53 come out at zone coverage with Nick Olson. Um, We have Johnny Munt and Ben Ellison. I think those two guys are the best blockers. And I think when we are talking about tight ends, we really underrate blocking. Like teams care a lot more about that than fans do. <laughs> and so if you're trying to predict who makes the team, look at how they block. I would love for it to be Zach Davidson. I really wanted it to be Zach Davidson, but he messed up on special teams. He had that drop. Um, that's you can't make a 53 doing that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's Ellison who's genuinely like a very good blocker. Like he's, I think one of the best 15 block blocking tight ends in the league. Um, And Johnny Munt, I think he's just kind of there, but consistency (laughs) is better than inconsistent, but a flat. It's really easy to remember one good play and it's really easy to miss, uh, you know, a blown block or getting blown up or something like that. So consistency is key. And that's Johnny Munt. It's not an exciting group uh, after Irv Smith, but I am very excited about Irv Smith. I think he's going to be good to go by week one. And then I think, think we're all going to forget all these injury problems if he can just string it together he's been a little unlucky kind of a follow-up to that do you you think there's any um i know there's been talks about uh the dolphins listening 
for trade offers for like Mike Gesicki and other guys that are out there? Do you think there's a veteran that may be a cap casualty or that may be cut that may become available? That's not Chris Herndon third round pick for, but something that I've been saying it for months that like the tight end position is, it makes me nervous. Like just the depth. And that was sure. with the health, healthy Irv Smith. So um, if he can't stay on the field, that's another layer to it. Um, and so anyone come to mind that you think could be a potential option for the purple? Yeah, I'm not super into Gasicki, Um, just because he can't block. Name. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know about who else would maybe be a, a cap casualty for tight end, but you're probably looking at the Chris Herndon sized move where, I mean, that was they got a they traded a fourth and they got a sixth back. That amounts to about a fifth rounder. So who did you get for a fifth rounder? Maybe a sixth rounder, that kind of thing for like a tight end three kind of guy, Luke Stocker type people. Um, but there is the one name I'm looking at is actually on the offensive line has been Lloyd Cushenberry. Broncos have a really interesting uh, center situation right now. They've got a fifth round rookie, Luke Wattenberg getting first team reps, maybe pushing to start. Um, Lloyd Cushenberry has been a fine starter for them, but if they can get a fifth round rookie and maybe offload a little bit of cash on the back couple, last couple of years of that first round uh, or of that, that rookie contract, um, they might want to do that and get a draft pick and stuff and try to get rid of the redundancy. Um, we have a great relationship with the Broncos. We're about to go see the Broncos live. <laughs> um, that's I mean, we went and played Nick Mullins and traded for him. So I could I don't know the we, we have his former offensive line coach is now working here. Like we've got a bunch of old Broncos staff. We know about this guy. And Coach um, Mary was a mid round pick. If I remember, like not, not too yeah. long ago, like two or three years ago. So mm-hmm. three. Yeah. And third round. Sorry. Yeah. Th- third um, round two years ago, I believe. Yeah, yeah. he got two years left on his deal. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. It, it makes way too much sense. And there's been a lot of whispers circling around that they're looking for center help. I think that is a it, it makes too much sense not to be the move if they trade for anyone um, or maybe they just roll with Bradbury. But I don't think it'll be anybody else on the roster. One thing about tight ends that I guess I'll cautiously point out is I, I'm with you guys. It doesn't seem deep as normal, but we're so accustomed to the last three years to having a Rudolph and Smith sandwich or Conklin and Smith. And it doesn't have to be that, you know, that robust at the top of it. If you look last year, the Rams had Tyler Higby and Johnny Munt and bada bing, they won a Super Bowl. <laughs> so I think we've just got used to this way of living where you have one A and one B Rudolph or Conklin mm-hmm. and in addition to Smith. So mm-hmm. while indeed we could we could stand to get richer, you kind of start to look at the roster and say, well, if they just traded for Nick Mullins and addressed that problem, they're probably content with what they have at tight end. That's the way I try to rationalize it anyhow, right. uh, because Ron has brought up the skimpiness there for quite, quite a few months now. Um, and on, they just won't yeah. use two as much. Like yeah. they, they are going to use 11 personnel, 10 personnel. They are not Kevin Stefanski or Gary Kubiak <laughs> living out of two tight ends. They're going to live in three wide receiver, four wide receiver, maybe one tight end on the field. Um, but it's going to be a lot more. I mean, these Rams, these McVay Shanahan offenses are a lot about just get your best five out there. And for the last few years, the best five have included two tight ends because we didn't have a wide receiver three. Um, <laughs> but now we've got a lot of depth there and it's get the best five out there. You could even see ham line up as it's like in the wing line up where you would typically see tight ends um, and do those jobs, do those blocking assignments and shoot. We've seen him high point one on the sideline. He can run around. <laughs> yeah, indeed he can. Uh, you know, you he talked, can block, so. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about your 53 man with Nick uh, coming out. So, and then talking about Ham just now, do they keep five running backs or who's the odd man out, Luke? Both Nick and I had the same group, which was five running backs. Oh, keep wow. Dalvin, keep Madison, 
uh, Wangu and and I, I we both think Ty Chandler did enough to make the team uh, as a sixth round rookie. I, I had been on the cut Madison Wangu can be right running back to train for a long time. He proved what he needed to prove for me in the 49ers game. He was very sound in blocking. He was he, he did all his assignments right. He didn't have any stupid vision mistakes, which we know <laughs> Madison is want to do that kind of thing. He's been doing it his whole career, but he had a really consistent game. He, he wasn't in for a lot of snaps, but he was consistent in that 49er game. He showed me what I needed to see to go, okay, like it was kind of like if he has a disastrous camp, he gets cut kind of thing. Like not, if he has an average camp, he's fine. And I think he's had an average camp, so he'll be fine. Okay. So they keep all five. Well, yeah, well that, that reduces the mystery. Cause you know, some have floated that ham could be on the chopping block. You certainly can't get rid of Chandler. Cause you know, he just looks so damn good and he's got all the glorious upside. So, all right. So Luke and Nick have five running or running backs all together with, with ham. Uh, B Mac, are you back, sir? I am. Okay, wonderful. What I was asking you earlier when we were talking about a one of the Vikings guards transition to the NFL hasn't gone as great as he would have hoped. Uh, in the big grand scheme of things, on the field or off the field, what was the biggest transition from the University of Miami to Minnesota when you came in? Um, I'm going to say as far as football, probably technique. Because um, when you're in college, um, you know, some of those guys are freshmen, sophomore, and you can just overpower them. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people don't have to rely as much on technique, but when you get to the NFL, the guys are stronger when you first get there or just have better technique. So you have to focus on, especially offensive linemen, great hand placement and, and having good technique. And maybe that's not something that he's um, gotten used to yet. Okay. But you mentioned there right there, Brian, use the word, the overpower. Obviously, they, Mount McKinney, like everyone knew your size and power coming into the league. And I know you've talked about like players like Dwight Freeney and those smaller guys are the mm-hmm. ones who gave you the most trouble trouble. We're in a safe place here. It's all right to admit if there's any faults or whatever, has there, was there ever a player that you felt ever overpowered you? Or did you feel like if you're on your game, no one's getting the best overpower? Um, I never had an issue cause I was a heavy guy too. So I, I don't think I had an issue of feeling overpowered. If anything, like I said, like a KGB was a guy who was very slick in his movements and he had great technique as far as using his hands that I had to get used to early in my career. And but you were never I getting bull rushed by anyone. <laughs> no, really. I knew how to sit down on bull rush. And, you know, and I, I was already like 350. Coming <laughs> in, so I, I was like, and you had the footwork, you were left tackle. tackle so. Yeah. I knew how to sit down on a bull rush. I never um, had an issue with far as power, I preferred power because then it turned into a wrestling match. Right. Then like um, these slick, you know, these, you know, guys running a four, four off the edge that, you know, with a lot of bend. Yeah. Once you got your hands on them, you can send them flying, but it was just, you know, make sure you did that. Right. <laughs> Ron, what do you got next for Luke? So Luke, obviously uh, <clears throat> like we talked about being a Vikings fan, especially when you grow up in that life, um, you know, you, we, all we want is one, like, you know, realistically. <laughs> one like, before I mean, we all die. Yeah. Right, right. Right. And it could be one <laughs> in, you know, any of the sports, you know, it's obviously like I'm old enough to have seen two twins world series that granted I don't remember much of them, but uh, um, at least I've seen them, but what would it be like for you, especially now living out of state um, and like, just to have that, that raw emotion of like, of just one, especially with it being football, because we know football reigns supreme. What would that feeling mean to you? Uh, yeah, so I already know. I've talked to my dad a lot about this. Um, we're either if we can afford it, we're going. But that's going to be kind of a game time decision. <laughs> if we can afford it, we're going to find. We'll find a way. We'll fly wherever. We'll get the ticket. We'll splurge. We'll blow our whole saving. We're going to be at it. 
Um, but if if we can't go, I I don't care where my dad is. I'm gonna be with him. Um, and man, when it comes to like, yeah, I know they say like football is family, and it's this like super cheesy hokey <laughs> line. But man, it really is. When I before I got into Viking stuff, I've only been doing this for five six years. Um, and I've been out in L.A. for longer, and I was you know working doing the Hollywood thing, right? I didn't have a lot of reason to come home. I didn't have a lot of money to be able to come home and kind of drift away from people in your life, friends and family and stuff. You don't get relationships. You can call people, but you got to remember to and like extended family. Like, am I going to call like random whoever, right? (laughs) And then you get into Viking stuff and they're all into Viking stuff too. And it gives you something to talk about. Um, And I think that like that is reconnected. I feel so much more connected with my immediate and extended family than I ever have. And a lot of it is doing this history thing because I now have, I I just went and researched and watched a game that my grandpa remembers vividly. I just talked to him today about like stuff from the seventies that he remembers like, Oh, this is what I was doing. And you know, my dad has all these stories that he's never figured to tell me about how he had to watch the games in the eighties because they were only regional and he'd be on a sales trip or whatever. Um, and it just, it's a campfire to gather around. It gives you something to talk about. It gives me a reason to go home, go home from camp, stay with my sister. I now see my sister twice a year. I didn't used to. And I I can watch her kids grow up and be part of their lives. It's, that's, that's what the Vikings have done for me. Win a Super Bowl or not, nothing's taken that away. But it adds so much. And we've all been through so much and we've all been hurt so much. I, I can't imagine if they win a Super Bowl, being shoulder to shoulder with my dad, probably be one of the most meaningful moments of my life. Are you yep. going to make it back for the parade? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I can never really care about the parades. It's because we've never I had one. <laughs> I want to, <laughs> yeah, true. I want to celebrate the game. I'll see the game, but the actual parade feels like a, like the take your lap and enjoy it and everybody go get drunk. I think I'd rather view that on social media than be like at it in a crowd, you know? Luke, uh, back in May of 2021, before you and I's friend Joe Johnson passed away, he came on this show and we somehow the same question came up and he had the exact same answer. Um, his most fond Vikings memories are going to training camp with his dad. He, uh, he, he pounded that home. Of course, in that same sentence, he goes, it makes me feel uncomfortable talking about this with you guys. He said that on live air. Uh, but yeah, if it's, <laughs> it's for sure. It was he and his dad going to training camp. And I think, um, <clears throat> for a lot of us, and especially, uh, you know, with my kids that are little now, I hear stories like yours, stories like Joe's and say, I think, I think we're on a good path. Um, you know, because the, yeah, the campfire aspect, you nailed it. Well, even like just, you know, <clears throat> everyone we've gotten a chance to meet through this mm-hmm. show, like obviously Dustin, you and I met over Twitter, like, you know, it's like, it does, like, it's cool to have that, that outlet now, especially with social media, where you can interact with people that that don't live locally like you know the um enrique from brazil like just Mm -hmm. you know that you have voices across the world that you can now connect and um and share these uh these mutual shared experiences with so um yeah it's uh and luke i i get get you 100 percent. like whatever (laughs) when it happens in that oh nine year um me and my buddies i was back we had just finished college or whatever and that was and you know we were all doing the early career stuff and i'm like if the Vikings win this game, we're hopping in a car, we're driving to Miami. We don't 
care where we're going to stay or whatever, but we're driving to just go and tailgate the Super Bowl. That's all we wanted to do. Like, and we were making plans, like just, okay, if it happens, what day do we leave? Like, what are we going to do? And now that I'm older and, you know, now it's like, all right, I will be home. I will be with family, friends, whatever, just for that experience. So my dad was at the 98 game, the Gary Anderson game. Yeah. Um, and this is January, 1999. You cannot just go on to Ticketmaster and like book your tickets. Right. <laughs> um, but when they were ahead in that game and it, it felt foregone, it was over. Um, <laughs> he had a friend that was a referee that he knew that could hook him up with Super Bowl tickets, but you got to act now. You can't wait till the end of the game. You got to do it. And so he was like, man, we're really ahead. He and his brother were like, uh, let's do it. He and his brother got two tickets to Miami before that game ended. And so the game ends and they lose and it's, oh my God, what did we just do? But they still, they're Mm. like, well, we can't get rid of these now. Like we just bought tickets Mm. to the Super Bowl. We're not going to not go. Yeah. So they all just went and took a weekend in Miami and they watched John Elway and the Falcons (laughs) going, this should have been us. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. You'd almost have to uh, with that investment. And you know, Elway went in number two. That was a big deal. All right, Cora, take it away. What's next? Um, well, I was trying to come up with a really good one, uh, not asking about, um, the nitty gritty, but I think a Caleb Evans, um, we all love him. You love him, especially because of his rabbit. Um, how, where do you see him fitting in? Um, he also is, uh, one of the players who interacts a lot with. Yeah. Fans. He's, <laughs> he seems like a really nice guy. Um, I, right now, I've got him as the last corner on the depth chart, um, but like deservedly not just making the team because he was a fourth round pick like James Lynch did that one year. Um, I think just depth right now, special teams. Mm-hmm. He's um, I don't think he's played well enough to like rotate to justify rotating in. He's playing a little soft, playing a little bit um, conservative, and that's just a, a corner without enough. comfort in the system and in the speed of the NFL to have like confidence, you know, as a corner, you need confidence. That's why I love Andrew Booth, just a a confidence, whether you've earned it or not, you have to have it as a corner because you have to play something aggressive. Like as soon as you start playing hesitant, that's what happened to Bashad Breland and Cameron Dantzler last year. That's why they got so burned and everything got caught in front of them is because they played way further off than they ever had to because they were always so scared of being beat deep, getting beat deep. Can't play scared, Um, but he's willing in the run. He's um, plays physical. He can tackle. All that stuff matters a ton. But right now, I think it's a, you know, he might be on the 53, maybe not even active for game days unless he has a special teams role. But that's where he is right now. And kid can just develop. What about uh, Indomitian Sue? Do the Vikings in his camp ever meet in the middle money wise? Or is this just uh, much do about nothing? I wanted it. I would love Sue to come for Sue to come to the Vikings, but man, some of these uh, depths, DN, types, yeah, the, <laughs> T.Y. McGill and Jonathan Bullard, they're cooking. Was, Sue who? Ooh, yeah, we don't need them. We got the next Tom Johnson in the building. Um, <laughs> Thunderbucket himself. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I really like what I've seen from that group. In my fifty-three man roster, I couldn't bring myself to cut one. I kept six people on the interior defensive line. Um, so I, 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 the group is so much deeper than I kind of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that is a re like 
Jonathan Bullard is not a reason to go out and get Ndamukong Su, but it is a reason to say, hey, we don't really have to pay out the nose. You're a luxury and we can give you the offer that we that we want to pay, not the offer we have to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, I would still like it. If I had to guess right now, I would say nothing. I would say it doesn't get done and somebody else grabs him or maybe he just doesn't play this year. Um, but if they did grab him, I'd be pretty hyped. And are you therefore content with Watts as the starter in that spot? Yeah, it's because it, he comes off the field kind of anytime they go to their nickel packages. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that comes off the field. Their nickel turns into a 4-2. They do have like a 5-1 nickel or call it a 3-3-5 if you want to call Hunter and Zedarius linebackers. Um, that's also like a package that they can use and it depends on the other team's personnel and matchups and what you want to do. It's a game plan thing. Um, which would have Watts be on the field more. But I think, like, I don't foresee Armand Watts playing more than half the snaps just because of the okay. way the sub package works. The sub package, like, distribution works. And everybody's got you a nickel all the time. Like, this is yeah. a wide receiver's league. So you're going to have a lot more. Like, I think Chandon Sullivan outsnaps him. And so I'm not too worried about it. Okay. All right. Uh, let's do one more round with Lou question wise. But Bryant, first, in case we forget, uh, give us the America's Got Talent update uh, on your guys' fate, the choir. Uh, the choir, we um, are still in the runnings for becoming a um, wild card. And like I said, if we get selected by a judge, it'll be three other teams that we'll be up against and we'll have to do a voting and America will have to vote to see who they would want out of their four. So hopefully America votes for us. So we're kind of was game planning in that situation. And if we do make it, we'll have to fly back to L.A. around September 7th and be there to the 15th and perform in the finals. Nice. Ooh, okay, so we should know in a matter. Oh God, that's only two weeks away. So we should know. Yes, here. soon. Okay. So, like, I will know on a Tuesday night. And the voting window was so short. It's like as soon as the show's over, voting goes from the moment the show ends till seven a.m. Eastern. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So now you guys... ten times per like um, phone or laptop, yeah, whatever. Did last time, <laughs> yeah. So now you guys, I know, like, you have a a lot of people that are in the choir, like, say, current players that aren't able to make it. Now, obviously, if they string it along, like, you have a bunch of schedules now that you're intermixing with. So is that going to impact you guys, like, you know, potential going forward that, like, you're not going to have everyone able to compete? Or are you guys able to work that all out right now? We kind of worked that out in the semifinals because uh, during the semifinals, guys were in training camp who were a part of the audition and stuff. So um, we have, you know, people to fill in for for those guys who couldn't attend. Okay. <clears throat> All right, Ron, let's do uh, one more thing apiece for Luke. What do you got? All right, Luke, so you uh, you mentioned your uh, 53 that you have currently here. Who on that list or who do you have as the most surprising cut that you um, either are predicting or that you potentially foresee coming? That's really tough because I don't think there are a lot of surprises anymore. I, some people might be surprised if I we both Nick and I cut Kellen Mond, but I mean, after the preseason that he's had, I think it's time. Yeah, um, maybe Maybe just in general, four second round third round or second year third round picks and we both <laughs> have one of them making it and it's like not even controversial like man that's a who's lot. the one no <laughs> i can't even Jones. remember okay so he's had no, a no surat yeah it's had a great <laughs> summer yeah no no chaz surat i got him on the practice squad though i actually like what he showed in the 49er game i thought he he sifted really well and it, 
Um, I, I like the tenacity. He played with a lot. Of, he played very fast, and that was really good. Um, but not enough for me to put him on the roster. And plus, with inside linebackers, like this is part of just moving to a new scheme. He just don't have enough as much need for those off-ball type backers. You only have right. one or two on the field, like ever. Um, not like with Zimmer, where you could have three on the field or shoot. Sometimes some packages have four on the field when you needed that to be like a seven deep room. I think they're keeping four. So you're losing. We, I lost Troy Die. I lost uh, Chaz Surratt. Um, I'd, for kicks and giggles, I kept Ryan Wright over Jordan Berry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a punt off now. I wrote that before I knew it was a punt off, although I still would have made the same decision just because it's fun to do content. But yeah, I don't know. I guess Kellen Mond, there's like not much surprising out there. A lot of people have Zach McLeod in their 53s. I don't. I haven't yeah. seen it. Um. I think yeah, uh, I guess that's I, it. I think from a high level, you know, you and me and uh, <clears throat> even Ron and Cora are so deep into the Viking stuff on a daily basis, almost minute basis to know what they're doing from a bird's <laughs> eye view or a regular person's view. Mond not making the roster is a big damn deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not a guarantee. Like he maybe you've seen him show enough. I mean, there was that one play against the 49ers. He rolls out of the pocket. He hits BC Johnson and kind of a scramble drill is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um He's made some good throws. He's made some quicker reads. He's gotten to his checkdowns quickly. That was a big thing for him is that he couldn't get all the way to his checkdown before he got sacked. He still can't do it consistently, but he's doing it at all. It's a step forward. Um, Maybe you keep him as a third quarterback and see if this doesn't come together a little bit better next year. But spending a roster spot on that, I I didn't. I I don't think it did that. And then the, the question that I always pose that kind of sealed it for me is, okay, 2024, who's a better quarterback? Kellen Mond or Nick Mullins. Can we say Kellen Mond? Because I, I don't think I can. <laughs> I, I can't say in two years, Kellen Mond's a better quarterback than Nick Mullins. And then it's like, you know what? If I'm going to put a bunch of resources into developing a quarterback and some, uh, then I'm going to put resources into developing Nick Mullins, who's 27 years old. I mean, he's not old or anything. I'm going to see if I can't make him a little bit better. And this stupid project that the last guy drafted can be someone else's problem. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think the, the entire or go ahead, Dustin. I just think the only reason that you would say, oh, well, yeah, hopefully it's Mond or it will be Mond is you're just laden with this dream of the upside. And, you know, that's that's all it is, is a dream. And it's like yeah. not that much upside. Like he can run as much as any young quarterback can. <laughs> he's got a rocket right. of an arm, but it's not like he's Josh Allen back there. Like, right. It's, it's not even like Jalen Hurts back there. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's not no, this crazy, talented thing. He's got a big arm. That's the upside. The thing, he's the, got okay mobility. The thing about him when he was drafted in April of 2021 is he's basically stylistically everything that Cousins isn't. So when people yeah. dreamt about what life would look like without Cousins, the easiest thing to imagine would be Mond. Um, but then the guy also ha- has to be good and able for everything yeah. to work out. And we've got to make a team first, baby <laughs> steps. <laughs> you got to beat Sean Mannion out you know, right. to go to your next chapter. And Which is why... I think I think you'll end up on the practice squad because I don't see another team picking him up and you putting him on their roster. Like Same. that just it's not gonna happen. So if he's your practice squad guy, great. Like if it was between him and Mannion, <clears throat> I'll be on the table <clears throat> pounding my fist for Mont. But getting Mullins, we have a quality backup who shown he can play <clears throat> in this in the NFL. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Sorry. If they if they just outright cut Mond and then look for the waiver wire for a practice squad guy, I'm fine with that too. I'm not tied to any one of those and any one of those picks that potentially 
just won't pan out. Uh, maybe that was Spielman's big last half year to the team. Like I'm going <laughs> to go rogue and draft a bunch of guys that I know can't do it. Um, because how do you miss on three guys in that, it, you know, and Patrick Jones is to be determined, but how do you miss that early on that many guys? The all tell right. all in about five years is going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Like the turnaround, like we, from one year to the next, like of where we see Ed Ingram, like where Ed Ingram looks like he belongs, he's moving people. He's showing the athleticism. And it's like, so one regime drafts a guy who was this, everyone had touted going into the year as the top guard prospect, whatever. And then clearly fans are clamoring. Why isn't he out there? Cause we're watching the co- Well, I guess it wasn't Dozier, but Ole Udo hold every other play false start all this um why so clearly Wyatt davis wasn't any good and he hasn't made any improvements so glad to see at least that you know a couple weeks before the season that they rectified that with a second round pick yeah all right what's your final thing for uh luke okoro so at training camp what was your because i know things were different obviously from last year because of COVID and whatnot, but what was your favorite either moment on the field experience that you had there or something for people who don't get there regularly? Um, you just couldn't take your eyes off of Justin Jefferson. It was unbelievable. <laughs> um, like he, and I remember saying this about him last year too. And he just like, when you run a route, and when you're running around just in individual drills, you're not even doing one-on-ones yet. You're just like drilling routes and everybody runs theirs. And I'm sitting there watching like, you know, how quick do they get in and out of their break? I'm trying to see who looks the smoothest. Who's got the athleticism. Does the ceiling look any slower? Like I'm looking for that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then Justin Jefferson goes and he is just putting random little leans and little extra arm things and little like ev- and every move has its purpose. And you can see like, oh, he wanted the corner to think it was, um, you know, a post. And then he actually wanted the corner to think it was post corner. And then it's actually a go route. And you can see like <laughs> the technique put into that. It's like artistic, like it's so creative and it pushes the boundaries of what route running is supposed to be like his routes tell the corner a story. And that is a rare thing. Like you're lucky if you can get somebody to hit their marks and get in and out of it quickly enough and have the like good enough, like agility to do it. Right. And with Jefferson, there's so much extra deception in it and it's all purposeful. Like it's not just random window dressing. Like it's very intentional. Um, And like watching that, like I could spend an hour breaking down one route and telling, talking about the story that it t- tells to the defensive back. And he's just like unguardable. The only person who's had any success, a little bit Cameron Dantzler, which is incredible. And yeah. Patrick Peterson, 49ers couldn't do anything against him. I wasn't there for that, but he was just like totally unguardable. He's going for 2K. He said it. He called it. He's doing it. I, I like I can't tell him he's wrong. He's going for 2K. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Luke, you were on uh, my YouTube show about three months ago, and you seemed to indicate that you were skittish about Cousins' ability to start taking risks or, you know, you wish he would do it because when time comes, he usually takes the safe bet. I think in order for the Vikings to thrive and effectuate this playoff mentality they have, he's going to have to do that. 
So do you think he actually does that? And then what is, have you settled on a win loss record prediction or you still need a little <laughs> while? Um, I don't have a great win loss prediction for them just because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of young players on the defense, everybody's learning new stuff. Nobody comes all out perfectly polished right off the bat. It just doesn't happen. We're going to need a little patience here. I think I'll probably settle on like a seven and 10. Ooh, and if they God. look, if, if they're, if the arrow's pointing up by the end of the year, if it feels good, I'll be happy. Like I don't expect if they make the playoffs, I'm doing backflips because I just think that there's a lot more to learn. They're relying on young corners. They can't do the Fangio defense stuff that I think they'll want to do because they don't have the talent on the outside right now. Unless Cameron Dantzler has this crazy third year leap and it turns out he's this great corner, then maybe you can start doing more man to man stuff. Um, so they're going to be chasing every game. There's going to be a lot of situational football, if that's the case. A lot of two-minute drills. And Cousins, here's the deal. He's been very good in situational stuff in camp. Camp's different than games, so we got to take it all with a grain of salt. But the last two, even three years, he's been a catastrophe in situational drills. And he's like good at them in, in this one. So something to keep in mind. But for me, that's just it's all about do we believe that Kevin O'Connell can, can rest that out of him, um, get him to be willing to progress past a safe option. And Cousins actually talked about this mm-hmm. and he, because he's a quarterback, explained it way better than I ever could. And I've been trying to explain it for like two years. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's when you're, when you see like, Hey, the hook is open. I used an example on my show a few weeks ago of like smash where you have a, a hook from on the outside and then the slot corner or the slot receiver runs like a corner route. Um, so a high low, right? And you kind of progress low to high because the low route is going to develop faster because it's shorter. So if that hook is there, Cousins will always throw it regardless of any indications that that corner will be there. If the safety moves to the other side and oh man, that slot corner is playing inside leverage, you got a receiver that's going to break outside and deep and the, and the single high safety has gone to the other side of the field. That's going to be open. And you know that's going to be open before it breaks. It's that anticipation thing that you always hear like commentators talk about. But he wouldn't do that. He would take, you know, Burden Hansworth to in the bush, that kind of thing. And it's a philosophical thing. And you could probably sit there and argue with Kirk Cousins and have a pretty back and forth discussion about what's correct to do in that scenario. But O'Connell's trying to get him to progress past it and say, hey, you know, that's there. But if you get this, you know, single high look with the right leverage and stuff, progress past it because something better might be there. That if that bears out on the field, look out. Okay. You know, I'll add to that kind of because I, so. I, 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 that's one of the things I've said a lot about Cousins where, <clears throat> and I don't know if it's all on him or part of it was because of who was in charge the past few years, where he's too meticulous at time through his reads, where if something breaks down or if it's scripted one way, he's not looking elsewhere. Like he's going to go to B rather than go to directly to D. I think this year you're going to see the F you Kirk come out. Like, because I think as much as he wants to <laughs> stay away from it. Yeah. I think as much as he wants to stay away from work. social media and stuff, he, he hears the noise. He knows what knows it and everything. <clears throat> now the compensation side is not really even a factor because he's being paid where he should be as far as an average annual value. But I think he's going to play a lot freer and, not be afraid to make mistakes because in what his time in Washington, he was prone to turn the ball over a little bit. Like he threw it up for grabs. I think you're going to get more of that. And clearly he has the best wide receiver, wide receiver tandem he's ever had, like including his Washington time. So um, I think the two K for Jefferson's legit. I think that's a 
legit goal because of the 17 games, obviously. I think Thielen's going to get double-digit touchdowns again. I think, like I said, I think you're going to see an FU Kirk that we haven't all seen. And, you know, it's going to, as Vikings fans, it's going to be fun. Now, it, will that with that, are there going to come more turnovers? Probably. But as long as they're not, like, uh, throwing it right to Deion Jones, not looking a couple years ago, um, <laughs> you know, if they're – if it's third and That's 17 crazy. and he's throwing throwing a deep out and throws a pick, I'm okay with that. Get a little farve in your game. There's a reason why one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. Also, his interception record <laughs> will probably likely never get caught because no quarterback's given that much time. <laughs> All right, uh, BMAC, all week I kept my ears open on that Brad Childress thing, and I could not figure out why he was – unless Luke knows something we don't. I couldn't figure out why he showed up at Vikings training camp. He showed up at Viking training camp. Yeah, you didn't know that, Brad Childress. No, I did not. Yeah, that was under the radar. Right? Nobody knew. We seen a picture. That's we know. Yeah, last Wednesday. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> last Wednesday, Luke, he was hanging out, photographed with Ziggy on the sideline of Vikings training camp when the mm-hmm. Niners were there, and we spent about ten minutes on the show last week trying to diagnose why the hell he would have been there. Nobody could figure it out. Yeah, I guess you're making the rounds. Show. I guess you can show up to whatever camp you want when you're a former head coach and just like go say hi. <laughs> I would imagine he still probably has a decent relationship with Ziggy. Yeah. Like well, it ended on a bitter note, but like, man, we can all just forget 2010 and just be <laughs> like, you know what? Let's let that one recede into memory. <laughs> I hear you. All right, Luke, tell us, uh, tell all the listeners and viewers where to find you, sir, on Twitter and your writings. And Sure. Uh, my Twitter is Luke Braun NFL, uh, Locked on Vikings. Also, you can find the show on Twitter. My Patreon is patreon.com slash Luke Braun NFL. You can find the history doc there. And then I'm going to do some film breakdowns and some other stuff, articles, all sorts of stuff on Patreon over the season. Um going to try to do stuff with a little more creative freedom well, because I don't have to answer to anybody anymore uh, when I'm doing that. So join me on there. I would love it. Um, you can also find, uh, like I said, history of the Minnesota Vikings, a seven part documentary series parts one through four are out parts five through seven will come out once per once one every weekend all the way up to the beginning of the season you can also find me on zone coverage and uh, the minnesota football party uh, as well as an ensemble show that i'm a part of um, on the locked on minnesota sports podcast beat wonderful all right sir we will invite you back probably mid-season to uh, see if this seven and ten that you predict is on the way and you can break it down for us but that's all we got for believe in vikings and skull baby save big money at menards let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.